Ah, thank you, SunWest kids. Uh, now you know why we were telling the Christmas story during the worship set, so we actually knew uh, what happened, uh, but that was a good rendition. Uh, Merry Christmas, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year. One of my favorite Christmas carols during this time of the year is Oh Holy Night. That is my all-time favorite Christmas carol. Anybody like that Christmas carol? Um, Celine Dion, my favorite version of it. Um, but... Uh, there was uh, a time in our, our past where my uh, my wife has a member in her family who also likes Oh Holy Night. Uh, it's their fam- favorite Christmas carol as well. And so one time for a pre-Christmas gift, we actually uh, did a mixtape of all of the versions of Oh Holy Night that we had into one tape. Some of you guys don't know what a mixtape is, do you? Sorry. Um, I don't know if it was a mixtape or if it was a burnt CD. <laughs> Um, if you're born in the 90s, you have no idea what that means. Uh, you know, we used to, you know, whatever. So we, we made a playlist, basically, on a, uh, these old devices of all the versions of Old Holy Night that we had available to us. And, and I loved it. I could listen to that song over and over again. Uh, and there's a, song, there's a line in that song uh, that says, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And I think weary world uh, possibly describes our situation even today in the same way that it described the time uh, where Jesus uh, was born. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And many of us feel this tension at Christmas time. We talk about it as if it's the most wonderful time of the year, and I do enjoy it. Uh, but for many of us, it doesn't feel like the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what's happening. It's not because of what's happening, because if we look around, and I don't know your story, your family situation, but if we look around, uh, what is happening? Our schedules get crazy. Uh, we're trying to get ready for the Christmas season. We're, we're confronted with complicated family situations. Uh, we're confronted with a world that is constantly changing. We're reminded, maybe more so at this time of the year, more than any other time of the year, of problems that we can't solve, of people's expectations that we have failed to meet, of um, people that we can't control, Pasts that we'd like to forget but seem to keep following us, or maybe we're being reminded in this season of how our lives have changed in all the ways that we never planned for them to change, but here we are. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. It is, but not because of what's happening. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year because of what happened at Christmas. And this is what the song of Holy Night is referring to when it says, a thrill of hope. That there was a moment in history, something that happened 2,000 years ago, where God showed up in person to be the center of history, but not only to be the center of history, to be the center of your life and my life. And the, the Bible tells us that when, when God becomes the center of our lives, something comes alive that was previously dead. A thrill of hope in a weary world. And each of the, the, the books we have in the Bible called the Gospels, uh, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all tell the life and the story and the, the teachings of Jesus. And the, the first three are very, very similar, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, in fact, the, the story that we've been talking about, that you've been hearing certain variations about with the, uh, with the shepherds and the wise men and Captain America, those are all coming, except for the Captain America part, they're all coming from uh, Matthew and Luke. But John's a very different type of gospel. It tells the story differently. Uh, John doesn't give the birth announcement in the same way that Matthew and Luke do. There's no story 
of the angels and the wise men and Herod and, and all the events. When John wrote his gospel, he was a very old man, and uh, most people believe that this was the last gospel to be written. He didn't uh, have a lot of time left, and he wanted to make sure that he passed on everything that he experienced, everything that he had seen, everything that he had heard. Uh, and you can just imagine how uh, popular you would be in that time if people knew that you were around when Jesus was around. You know, at the time, John is probably close to 80 years old, and he's reflecting on who Jesus was and what he experienced. And people would have been asking him to retell stories of the miracles and the, all the things that he heard and all the things that he saw. And John is the person in a, in a different one of his books that coined the phrase, God is love. Because when John looked back at his life, and he was trying to summarize how he understood God, what Jesus revealed to him about who God was, this was the one word description of how he understood God, that God is love. It's because of what John had seen and what John had experienced through the life of Jesus. And this is fascinating because when you actually get down to the story, we realize that John was no stranger to darkness. John had experienced darkness uh, throughout his life. He's, he's very old and he's experienced so much loss at this point in his life. And he's, he, he's experienced loss like you and I can't imagine. He's lost friends. He's lost family members. John was alive when Nero sent Vespasian into Galilee where he slaughtered 10,000 Jewish people. And he sent thousands of men and women and children into the slave market of Rome. John was alive during that. John was alive during the siege of Jerusalem when Vespasian sent his son Titus to take over Jerusalem, and, and they tried for seven months, and they, they cut off food supply, and people starved, and plagues broke out. And in 70 AD, they got over the walls of Jerusalem, and they, they burnt the temple to the ground. John would have remembered that. And during that whole siege, there was a million Jews that got slaughtered, two to 300,000 Jews that got sent to the slave market. This is what John lived through, what he saw. By the time that John wrote the books that we read in our Bible... He had seen his friend Peter and his friend Paul both be executed by Nero. Through all of the darkness, through all of the bloodshed, all of the chaos, all of the things that many of us will never experience and can't imagine, John never lost faith. And it's incredible that John could summarize what he understood about God by saying God is love. In fact, at the end of John's gospel, he writes this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is how John is ending the book. And he says, the reason that I've wrote this, the reason that I've reflected on what I've experienced in light of everything that I've seen and heard is because I've seen something that I can't deny. And I'm writing this so that you would believe. And the word here basically means to trust, the original word that's being used, that you would live as if this were true, that you would trust this enough to let this impact the way that you live, that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the king, that he's the son of God, and that by believing, by trusting in him, that you would experience life. And this word life here is not uh, just to be alive and to be breathing. It's actually a particular word that talks about a quality of life, a, 
a purposeful life, life being lived the way that it was meant to live, in spite of what John had seen, in spite of what he'd experienced. At the end of his life, even as he contemplated the things that he had seen destroyed and the the people that he had lost, John still believed that Jesus was the source of life. Jesus was the source of this type of life that was beyond just normal life. So when he begins his gospel, he doesn't begin with the birth narrative. And it's not because he didn't know it. And this is fascinating because we also learn at the end of John's gospel that uh, when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus tells John to take care of his mother, Mary. And so we know that John and Mary were together for years. And so John would have heard the story of the birth narrative. He would have known about the angels. He would have known about the shepherds and the wise men. He wouldn't have heard anything about Captain America, I'm pretty sure, but he would have known all those other pieces. So it's incredible that John knew all the details, but he doesn't tell the details like Matthew and Luke tell them. John, instead of telling us the what of Christmas, he tells us the why of Christmas. Just like when John wrote this, just like when he wrote this gospel, the times were very, very dark. John remembered that when Jesus came to earth, the time was also very, very dark. The world was weary. And when we retell the Christmas story, maybe we can remember that our world also is weary. We're reminded that the Christmas story still matters 2,000 years later in the same way it mattered then. So when John sits down to write the story, it should be encouraging to us because Again, there's problems that we can't solve. There's people we can't control. There's expectations that we haven't met. There's past that we would all like to forget that continue to follow us. There's reminders in this season of how the world has changed in ways we didn't want it to. And we experience the world in different uh, ways, in maybe dark ways. In light of all this, John writes this. This is how he tells the Christmas story. He says, in him, in Jesus, was life. Again, the same word at the beginning of his gospel as the end of his gospel. That in Jesus was true life, was real life. When, we, when you and I look around and we think, life isn't supposed to be this way, John says an amen to that, and he says, in Jesus is true life. Everlasting life. Not the kind of life where we're just surviving, but the kind of life where we're thriving, the kind of life where we're filled with purpose where we understand why we're here. And then John goes on and say, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The best picture that John could think of when he thought about Jesus was that Jesus was light. And he wasn't just light for a select few. He was the light of all mankind, and this is significant, significant because at the time, people were waiting on a Messiah to be the light for a particular group of people, for the Jewish people at a particular point in history. But John is saying, no, 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 no. We misunderstood it. Jesus is the light. He's the life for all mankind, which is good news for us. It means that it doesn't matter where you're from. And I, and I don't know each of you, and I don't know the story that you have, what your story is, or what past you're walking into this place with this morning, or what darkness might lie before you. But I know the truth that John says, Jesus is the light for all mankind, not just for some. And then John says this, so the light came, the life came to earth, 
And that light shines in the darkness. And he thought of the darkness around him. I'm sure when he's writing this, he's thinking of all the things in his life that he's experienced. In spite of everything that's happened, everyone who was executed, the people who had died, the way the people that he had loved were scattered. In spite of all this, John says, the light shines in the darkness. And when you're in complete darkness, it can be overwhelming. There's a lostness to it. There's, a, uh, there's no structure to it. There's no depth. There's no direction if you've ever been in complete darkness. Yet when there's a light that comes on, it becomes a source of hope. It becomes a source of focus. It makes the darkness dissipate. And this is the picture that John is painting for us, that when Jesus came, light came into darkness. That there was a lostness, there was a, that people were directionless, there was chaos, people were overwhelmed, but Jesus becomes a source of hope and life. That light shines in the darkness, and then he says, in the darkness has not. And I can picture John pausing this point when he's writing it. The darkness has not. As hard as it's tried to snuff out the light, as hard as you know, all the things that have happened to squash what God is doing in the world, darkness has not. And then he writes, overcome it. Caesar couldn't do it. Tiberius couldn't do it. Nero couldn't do it. Herod couldn't do it. The destruction of the temple couldn't do it. Jesus' death on the cross couldn't do it. He thinks back to all these moments in his life, and he realized that everything, every darkness that he's ever experienced could not overcome the light. This is the same John that had breakfast with Jesus the night after he was crucified. So he's experienced light, even in the face of darkness. John was absolutely convinced that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what we face, no matter how intense the heartache that we might experience, no matter how deep the depression or the fear, there was no amount of darkness that would ever, ever put out the light of Jesus. So John writes the Christmas story. He says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John says, there was a thrill of hope 2,000 years ago that changed everything. It happened. And that's what makes Christmas the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what's going on in our lives, not because of what's going on in the world, but because of what happened. But did you notice the shift from the past tense to the present tense in John's little narrative of the Christmas story? He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. But it shifts from the past to the present. He says, that light shines. It still shines in the darkness. So we come to the present 2,000 years later, and there's a light that came into the world that still remains, a light that still shines, that still encourages us, that still beckons us not to lose hope, not to lose perspective. No matter what darkness we might experience in our lives, that there is a hope beyond that. And I don't know what darkness you feel these days, but those things are unique for each of us. Those things are unique for you and they're unique for me. But what is same for each of us is the source of light, the source of life, the source of hope. So I urge you this Christmas season, would you consider, maybe you've 
decided to follow Jesus at one point in your life, would you consider re-engaging with the light of the world? Maybe for the first time that you would engage with the light of the world. I know there's things about Christmas that we all love, but we can lose perspective of why we come together and why we celebrate it because there was an event that happened 2,000 years ago that is still changing lives today. There's an event that happened 2,000 years ago that still is a light in the darkness today. And I know the last few years in our world have been a little chaotic, a little dark, a little crazy. But I think the last few years have reminded us that there's more. Reminded us of the need that we have for hope. Reminded us of the need that we have for true life. And there's a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So as we come to the close of this service, each year we light the Christ candle. And my prayer is that as we light the Christ candle and as we light our candles, that we would not just see this as a symbolic act, but we would recognize it as an act of worship, an act of response, an act of remembering that Jesus is the light, that he is our hope, that he is our life. And as you receive that light, I pray that whatever darkness you might be experiencing, that you would experience this season, Jesus, the light of the world. In him was life, and it was the light of all mankind. And the darkness could not overcome it. It's my prayer that you would experience uh, that light and that life. And that Jesus, uh, just like 2,000 years ago, would be good news, would be a thrill of hope in a weary world. Uh, Now, every symbol can only go so far, so we're going to blow out our candles. Uh, Don't uh, overthink it. Uh, But we appreciate you uh, joining us and spending Christmas Eve with us. Uh, We do have a gift bag for kids, uh, as as per SunWest tradition. And nobody told me what age that is, so I'll let you discern that for yourselves, uh, if that includes you or not. Uh, But please grab one uh, on your way out. Uh, Please uh, drop off your candles in the buckets. Uh, as as you exit. And just a reminder that uh, we don't have services tomorrow or in person on January 1st. Uh, There will be an online option on January 1st. Uh, So we invite you back to join us uh, on January 8th as we begin uh, another year of following Jesus together. Merry Christmas. Have a great day and Christmas break.
Thank you.